Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles, OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 18 with Section 6, The Happy Dream. And we're also mindful of our review lesson. And like every idea in this review lesson, it is wrapped with the thought, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Today we're reviewing Lesson 183, I Call Upon God's Name and on my own. And by way of opening this morning, it was a very straight path for me straight to this little introduction to the Song of Prayer from Helen Shuckman in light of this communication between Father and Son. It goes like this. Prayer is the greatest gift with which God blessed his son at his creation. It was then what is what it is to become the single voice creator and creation share. The song the son sings to the father who returns the thanks it offers him unto the son. Endless the harmony and endless too the joyous concord of the love they give forever to each other. And in this, creation is extended. God gives thanks to his extension in his son, and his son gives thanks for his creation in the song of his creating in his father's name. The love they share is what all prayer will be throughout eternity when time is done, for such it was before time seemed to be. I call upon God's name and on my own. Amen. I'm oh, so boy. grateful to find that this morning. Oh, gorgeous. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, thank you, Lori. You're perfect. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Yeah. What a gift that was for all of us. And so... Here's our reading list. Today we have Lee, Lemoyne, Fran, Robin Marie, Lana, Karen, Yvonne, and Micah. And we're joined in listening this morning by Harrison and Patricia and Ida. <laughs> Ida, Ida. Have I forgotten anyone or has anyone else joined us that would like to be on the reading list? Okay, and so here we here we go again in chapter 18, the dream and the reality with section six, the happy dream. I'll just uh, mention that if your book says prepare you now, the correcting of that should be prepare you not. 
in paragraph 41. Prepare you not for the undoing of what never was. If you already understood the difference between truth and illusion, the atonement would have no meaning. The holy instant, your holy relationship, the Holy Spirit's teaching, and all the means by which salvation is accomplished would have no purpose, for they are all but aspects of the plan to change your dreams of fear to happy dreams from which you awaken easily to knowledge. Put yourself not in charge of this, for you cannot distinguish between advance and retreat. Some of your greatest advances you have judged as failures, and some of your deepest retreats you have evaluated as success. We. Chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality, Section 6, The Happy Dream. Prepare you not for the undoing of what never was. If you already understood the difference between truth and illusion, the atonement would have no meaning. The holy instant, your holy relationship, the Holy Spirit's teaching, and all the means by which salvation is accomplished would have no purpose, for they are all but aspects of the plan to change your dreams of fear to happy dreams, from which you awaken easily knowledge. Put yourself not in charge of this, for you cannot distinguish between advance and retreat. Some of your greatest advances you have judged as failures, and some of your deepest retreats you have evaluated as success. 42. Never approach the holy instant after you have tried to remove all fear and hatred from your mind. That is its function. Never attempt to overlook your guilt before you ask Holy Spirit's help. That is his function. Your part is only to offer him a little willingness to let him remove all fear and hatred and to be forgiven. On your little faith, joined with his understanding, he will build your part in the atonement and make sure that you fulfill it easily. And with him, you will build a ladder planted in the solid rock of faith and rising even to heaven nor will you use it to ascend to heaven alone. Thank you, Lee, and Lemoyne. Never approach the holy instant after you have tried to remove all fear and hatred from your mind. That is its function. Never attempt to overlook your guilt before you ask the Holy Spirit's help. That is his function. Your part is only to offer him a little willingness to let him remove all fear and hatred and to be forgiven. On your little faith, joined with his understanding, he will build your part in the atonement and make sure that you fulfill it easily. And with him, you will build a ladder planted in the solid rock of faith and rising even to heaven. 
nor will you use it to ascend to heaven alone. Through your holy relationship, reborn and blessed in every holy instant which you do not arrange, thousands will rise to heaven with you. Can you plan for this? Or could you prepare yourselves for such a function? Yet it is possible because God wills it. Nor will he change his mind about it. The means and purpose both belong to him. You have accepted one, the other will be provided. A purpose such as this without the means is inconceivable. He will provide the means to anyone who shares his purpose. Thank you, Lemoyne and Fran. 43. Through your holy relationship, reborn and blessed in every holy instant which you do not arrange, thousands will rise to heaven with you. Can you plan for this? Or could you prepare yourselves for such a function? Yet it is possible because God wills it nor will he change his mind about it. The means and purpose both belong to him. You have accepted one, the other will be provided. A purpose such as this, without the means, is inconceivable. He will provide the means to anyone who shares his purpose. 44. Happy dreams come true, not because they are dreams, but only because they are happy, and so they must be loving. Their message is, quote, I will be done, unquote, and not, quote, I want it otherwise, unquote. The alignment of means and purpose is an undertaking impossible for you to understand. You do not even realize you have accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose as your own, and you would merely bring unholy means to its accomplishment. The little faith it needed to change the purpose is all that is required to receive the means and use them. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. Happy dreams come true not because they are dreams, but only because they are happy. And so they must be loving. Their message is, quote, thy will be done, and not, quote, I want it otherwise. The alignment of means and purpose is an undertaking impossible for you to understand. You do not even realize you have accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose as your own, and you would merely bring unholy means to its accomplishment. The little faith it needed to change the purpose is all that is required to receive the means and use them. It is no dream to love your brother as yourself, nor is your holy relationship a dream. All that remains of dreams within, within it is that it is still a special relationship. Yet, it is very useful to the Holy Spirit, who has a special function here. It will become the happy dream through which he can spread joy to thousands on thousands who believe that love is fear, not happiness. Let him fulfill the function that he gave to your relationship by accepting it for you, and nothing will be wanting that would make of it what he would have it be. 
Thank you, Robin Bree. And Lena. Okay. It is no dream to love your brother as yourself, nor is your holy relationship a dream. All that remains of dreams within it is that it is still a special relationship, yet it is very useful to the Holy Spirit who has a special function here. It will become the happy dream through which he can spread joy to thousands on thousands who believe that love is fear, not happiness. Not happiness. Let him fulfill the function that he gave to your relationship by accepting it for you, and nothing will be wanting that would make of it what he would have it be. 46. When you feel the holiness of your relationship is threatened by anything, stop instantly and offer the Holy Spirit your willingness, in spite of fear, to let him exchange this instant for the Holy One, which you would rather have. He will never fail in this. But forget not that your relationship is one, and so it must be that whatever threatens the peace of one is an equal threat to the other. The power of joining and its blessing lie in the fact that it is now impossible for either of you to experience fear alone or to attempt to deal with it alone. Never believe that this is necessary or even possible. Yet just as this is impossible, so is it equally impossible that the holy instant come to either of you without the other. And it will come to both at the request of either. Thank you, Lana. And Karen, if you'd like to do uh, 46, 47, and roll right through 50, uh, 48, please. Okay. 46. When you feel the holiness of your relationship is threatened by anything, stop instantly and offer the Holy Spirit your willingness, in spite of fear, to let him exchange this instant for the Holy One, which you would rather have. He will never fail in this. But forget not that your relationship is one, and so, so it must be that whatever threatens the peace of one is an equal threat to the other. The power of joining and its blessing lies in, lie in the fact that it is now impossible for either of you to experience fear alone or to attempt to deal with it alone. Never believe that this is necessary or even possible. Yet just as this is impossible, so it is equally impossible that the holy instant come to either of you without the other, and it will come to both at the request of either. Whichever is saner at the time when the threat is perceived, 
should remember how deep in his indebtedness to the other and how much gratitude is due him and be glad that he can pay his debt by bringing happiness to both. Let him remember this and say, I desire this holy instant for myself that I may share it with my brother whom I love. It is not possible that I can have it without him or he without me. Yet it is wholly possible for us to share it now. And so I choose this instant as the one to offer to the Holy Spirit that his blessing may descend on us and keep us both in peace. Thank you, Karen. And Yvonne. Okay, thank you, Lori. I guess I'm going to go back a little bit here. Uh, Yet, just as this is impossible, so is it equally impossible that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Instant, come to either of you without the other. And it will come to both at the request of either. Whichever is saner at the time when the threat is perceived should remember how deep is his indebtedness to the other and how much gratitude is due him, and be glad that he can pay his debt by bringing happiness to both. Let him remember this and say, I desire this holy instant for myself, that I may share it with my brother, whom I love. It is not possible that I can have it without him, or he without me. Yet it is wholly possible for us to share it now. Then so I choose this instant as the one to offer to the Holy Spirit that his blessing may descend on us and keep us both in peace. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Yvonne. And this is uh, another one of those days where the section is so tight, tightly woven as a piece, I, I just could not summarize it without um, almost rereading all of it. <laughs> and so, if we're willing, I thought it was another good day to read this all again. There are some, uh, well, Micah hasn't read, and some listeners haven't read, and I thought if you're willing, uh, I'd love to do it a paragraph at a time again. Great idea. I think good idea. Yeah, good idea. Okay. Oh, yes. Thanks. Thanks. The weave was just too tight, <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, so if we start off with Micah, uh, who else would like to read a paragraph here? This is Sandra. I can read. Great. Thanks, Sandra. I'll read again if you need. You bet. All right. We'll just go through the list again if we don't have volunteers. Here we go. Section 6, The Happy Dream. Go ahead, Micah. Okay. Uh, 41. Prepare you not for the undoing of what never was. If you already understood the difference between truth 
and illusion, the atonement would have no meaning. The holy instant, your holy relationship, the Holy Spirit's teaching, and all the means by which salvation is accomplished would have no purpose. For they are all but aspects of the plan to change your dreams of fear to happy dreams, which you awaken easily to knowledge. Put yourself not in charge of this, for you cannot distinguish between advance and retreat. Some of your greatest advances you have judged as failures, and some of your deepest retreats you have evaluated as success. Thank you, Micah and Sandra. Never approach the holy instant after you have tried to remove all fear and hatred from your mind. That is its function. That is its function. Never attempt to overlook your guilt before you ask the Holy Spirit's help. That is his function. Your part is only to offer him a little willingness to let him remove all fear and hatred and to be forgiven. On your little faith, on your little faith joined with his understanding, he will build your part in the atonement and make sure that you fulfill it easily. And with him, you will build a ladder planted in the solid rock of faith and rising even to heaven. Nor will you use it to ascend to heaven alone. Thank you, Sandra. Um, Is there a new reader that would like to do paragraph 43? Paragraph 43 in section 6 of chapter 18. All right, back to you, Lee. Thank you. And let's see. Your holy okay. relationship and blessed in every holy instant which you do not arrange Thousands will rise to heaven with you. Can you plan for this? Or could you prepare yourselves for such a function? Yet it is possible because God wills it. Nor will he change his mind about it. The means and purpose both belong to him. You have accepted one. The other will be provided. A purpose such as this without the means is inconceivable. He will provide the means to anyone who shares his purpose. Thank you, Lee and Lemoyne. Happy dreams come true, not because they are dreams, but only because they are happy. And so they must be loving. Their message is, thy will be done, and not, I want it otherwise. 
The alignment of means and purpose is an undertaking impossible for you to understand. You do not even realize you have accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose as your own, and you would merely bring unholy means to its accomplishment. The little faith it needed to change the purpose is all that is required to receive the means and use them. Thank you, Lemoyne and Fran. It is no dream to love your brother as yourself, nor is your holy relationship a dream. All that remains of dreams within it is that it is still a special relationship. Yet it is very useful to the Holy Spirit, who has a special function here. It will become the happy dream, through which he can spread joy to thousands on thousands who believe that love is fear, not happiness. Let him fulfill the function that he gave to your relationship by accepting it for you, and nothing will be wanting that would make of it what he would have it be. Thank you, Fran and Robin Marie. When you feel the holiness of your relationship is threatened by anything, stop instantly and offer the Holy Spirit your willingness, in spite of fear, to let him exchange this instant. He will never fail in this. But forget not that your relationship is one, and so it must be that whatever threatens the peace of one is an equal threat to the other. The power of joining and its blessing lie in the fact that it is now impossible for either of you to experience fear alone or to attempt to deal with it alone. Never believe that this is necessary or even possible. Yet just as this is impossible, so it is equally impossible that the holy instant come to either of you without the other, and it will come to both at the request of either. Thank you, Robin Marie and Lana. Okay. Um, do you want me to read straight on through? Oh, or just the fact. Um, okay. I, I That's think, okay. I'll, I think just that one. Okay. And that way Maybe. we can let Karen read again. All right. Thanks. Right. Okay. Whichever is whichever is saner at the time when the threat is perceived should remember how deep is his indebtedness to the other and how much gratitude is due him and be glad that he can pay his debt by bringing happiness to both. Let him remember this. Let him let you and say. Thank you, Lana. And Karen. I desire this holy instant for myself, that I may share it with my brother, whom I love. It is not possible that I can have it without him, or he without me. Yet it is wholly possible for us to share it now. And so I choose this instant as the one to offer to the Holy Spirit. 
that his blessing may descend on us and keep us both in peace. Amen. And thank you, everyone, for reading that again. I loved hearing it. And the floor is open. Well, hi, everybody. This is Lori, <laughs> whom you just heard. Um, the other day, I forget, was it yesterday or the day before? I think it was yesterday. He said, the holy instant is the result of your determination to be holy. It is the, it is the answer. Holy instant is the result of your determination to be holy. And he said that also of the holy of the holy relationship, that it is built on the desire to be holy. And um, so, in reading this this morning, I was drawn back to review lesson fifty-eight, and it starts out with the idea: my holiness envelops everything I see. And as I sat and thought about that, I thought, you know what, this is really cool. The first 29 lessons in this workbook, the first 29 lessons are built on the idea that I have an errant idea about meaning and I can't see clearly. And as a consequence of all that separation and the ego story seems to be my reality. But we get to lesson 30, or lesson 29, actually, um, after we've practiced the idea I want to see differently. Oh, gosh, how much I want to see differently. I'm determined to see differently. And then we're told, oh, i got to get it just right, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes my memory plays tricks on me. Um my mind is part of God's God is in everything I see God is in everything I see because God is in my mind God is in everything I see because God is in my mind there's another way of looking at the world I could see peace instead of this my mind is part of God's I am very holy and then this stunner, my holiness envelops everything I see. And the idea and the review that he gives us for that one, my holiness envelops everything I see, is tacked right at the end of that little review paragraph. It says, I can picture only thoughts I hold about myself. I can picture only thoughts I hold about myself. When I set that, next to the desire to be holy and the holy instant is a result of my determination to be holy I've allowed my mind to accept the idea that I am mistaken in the way I see and I'm mistaken in my thoughts but I would just as soon 
let forgiveness shine its light on everything I see so that my holiness can be restored to me part of God's mind and now I know what he means by the determination to be holy is that something that I would like to give up no no that's the purpose to be in communication to be in communication and what is the holy instant but the restoration of communication it is my desire to be in communication and that communication is um, the sharing of the atonement just very very simply when I align thank you for that word yesterday Yvonne when I align my mind with the thoughts I think with God he shares his holiness with me God is in my mind he says I am in the mind of God and in the heart of God even that determination to be holy forms the basis the purpose of everything it's the result that holy instant is the result of that determination and not desiring to ever 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 break that communication with the mind of God I'm led straight to my simple willingness I could he says the means are given you if you align your mind with the purpose I could try myself and I have and it always results in a tangle when I try to remove fear or guilt or any darkness from my mind I always wind up in a tangle when I do that and I don't need to do that the means are given the Holy Instant the Holy relationship the Holy Spirit's teaching all of that is given me when I align my mind with that purpose the determination to be holy and the nature of holiness is simply this holiness must be shared for therein lies everything that makes it holy that purpose is why he says in course of love dedicate all thought to union all union is holy and that is always restored to my mind when I allow the light of forgiveness to shine its blessed light on anything I misinterpret um, complete Laurie, that was wonderful. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you. It's Lee, this, um, this phrase, the happy dream. Um, you have to wonder um, where it first appears and how often it's used and how it relates to other concepts relative to um, 
our waking from the sleep of ego. Um, and I thought you might enjoy hearing where the, it's not a term, the happy dream or happy dreams that occurs um, very much at all, maybe, maybe close to a dozen times altogether. Um, those two versions, happy dream and, and happy dreams, plural. But the first time it appears is way back in uh, chapter 12, and then not again until uh, this chapter 18. But you'll love where it first made its appearance. It was in section 7 of chapter 12, the section entitled Attainment of the Real World. And it's that lovely paragraph that says, you will first dream of peace and then awaken to it. Your first exchange of what you made for what you want is the exchange of nightmares for the happy dreams of love. The happy dreams of love. And he says, in these happy dreams of love, in these lie your true perceptions. For the Holy Spirit corrects the world of dreams where all perception is. Knowledge needs no correction. Yet, the dreams of love, these happy dreams, the dreams of love lead unto knowledge. In them, you see nothing fearful. And because of this, they... Your happy dreams of love are the welcome that you offer knowledge. Love waits on welcome, not on time. And the real world is but your welcome of what always was. Therefore, the call of joy is in it. And your glad response is your awakening to what you have not lost. Praise then the Father for the perfect sanity of his most holy Son. Such uh, an individual, fabulous paragraph. You guys, it's section 7 of chapter 12. Attainment of the real world. Paragraph 6-7. And it makes that initial tie-in between um, what he wants me to understand of these happy dreams of love and their invitation to the experience of what he refers to as the real world, um, where, uh, where perceptions are led from false perception to true perceptions. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, touching in on that again. I'm complete. Oh, very much. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lee. Yeah, thank you. Good morning, Karen. Just a really quick thought. Never approach the holy instant after you've tried to remove all fear. Put yourself not in charge. You cannot distinguish between advance and retreat. Never approach the holy instant after you have tried to remove all fear and hatred from your mind, for that 
is its function. And never attempt to overlook your guilt before you ask the Holy Spirit's help. That is his function. Um, I've got a lot of family drama going on, which is really horrible. You know, to look with, to look at the external world is just horrifying beyond, beyond. Um, and so I was up all night and I was praying and meditating and I just kept thinking, I accept the God, I accept the love of God. I open and receive my Father extending into me and I extend the love into this situation. And um, it just seemed to really align to what Lori read this morning about extension, which was so beautiful. I could listen to it again if she wants to repeat it. Um, And then Reverend Pam um, uh, referred us to this after I shared this morning. She said she referred us to this uh, passage, this prayer. I do not know what anything, including this, means. And so I do not know how to respond to it. And I will not use my own past learning as the light to guide me now. Thank you, God, for this course. Put yourself not in charge. (laughs) I can't respond to anything, but the Holy Spirit can respond to it through me. Um, Just one more second. Uh, The story of the hiding place in Corrie Tan Boom, you know, she was in a Nazi uh, prison camp and and, um, her sister was killed by a guard. And afterwards she became a lecturer and the guard came up to um, her at the end of one of her talks and she recognized this guard who had caused her sister's death in the in the prison camp and she said jesus i can't shake hands with this person but i know you can do it through me and her hand went out with love to the person to the guard who was coming to her at the end of her talk I don't know how to respond to this situation, but God knows how to do it through me. I'm complete. Amen. Oh, that was beautiful, Karen. Just beautiful. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, then you walked us right to the top of the hour. And once again, Fran is with us, and we'll share or lead our reflection this morning on our lesson, review lesson 203, with our thanks, Fran. Thank you, Lori. Hi, everybody. We are in the last review, review six, before we enter the second part of the workbook. And today, uh, we are Lesson 203. So I'm going to read a couple first paragraphs from the introduction, which I think are so helpful. (laughs) Anyway, Review 6. For this review, we take but one idea each day and practice it as often as possible. Besides the time we give morning and evening, which should be less, not less than 15 minutes, and the hourly remembrances we make throughout the day, use the idea as often as you can between them. Each of these ideas alone would be sufficient for salvation if it were truly learned. 
Each would be enough to give release to you and to the world from every form of bondage and invite the memory of God to come again. With this in mind, we start our practicing in which we carefully review the thoughts the Holy Spirit has bestowed on us in our last 20 lessons. Each contains the whole curriculum, if understood, practiced, accepted, and applied to all the seeming happenings throughout the day. One is enough. But for that one, there must be no exceptions made. And so we need to use them all and let them blend as one, as each contributes to the whole we learn. These practice sessions, like our last review, are centered around a central theme with which we start and end each lesson. It is this, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. The day begins and ends with this, and we repeat it every time the hour strikes, or we remember in between we have a function that transcends the world we see. Beyond this, and a repetition of the special thought we practice for the day, no form of exercise is urged except the deep relinquishment of everything that clutters up the mind and makes it deaf to reason, sanity, and simple truth. When you are tempted, hasten to proclaim your freedom from temptation, as you say, this thought I do not want. I choose instead, and then repeat the idea for the day and let it take the place of what you thought. To him, I offer this review for you. Now we'll go to lesson 203. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. I call upon God's name and on my own. The name of God is my deliverance from every thought of evil and of sin because it is my own as well as his. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 203, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. I call upon God's name and on my own. The name of God is my deliverance from every thought of evil and of sin, because it is my own as well as his. I am not a body, I am free, 
for I am still as God created me. Amen. Boy, amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, good morning. Oops. This is uh, Lana. I would Oops. just thank you, friend. Thank, thank you, Lana. Oh, that's okay. Um, well, boy, this lesson in this section, and in the section yesterday, too, uh, so, so powerful for me. Uh, it takes me back to a time, um, well, I, I think I might have shared this, and maybe it was a year ago when we were reading this section before, but um, it took me back about um, with my relationship with my daughter and the night that I um, finally gave her over to the Holy Spirit. It was, you know, so much for my, in my experience about um, the transformation of a special relationship uh, into a holy one is giving up control of it. Um, And not only from um, interfering, or using, as you shared, Karen, using my past learning to try to deal with it, but also giving up any outcome, giving it totally over to God. And as a mother, I'm sure many of you can relate that, I don't know, I think one of the, la- the last thing I ever gave to God after giving him everything else was my daughter. <laughs> You know, oh, I can handle that better. <laughs> and and I remember during her very dark days of heroin addiction, I remember my prayer usually was it was a winter time and and I would pray she would be arrested because she was on the streets and at least I know she w- she would be safe and warm and have food. And um, this one night I was just at my wit's end and she was in jail at the time. And, um, you know, I, I, I often say we, all roads lead to God, either in gratitude or desperation. And I definitely was on the road of desperation that night. And, and, and I had no idea, didn't have a clue, and I knew that at the depths of my soul what to do. I, I just totally surrendered that to God. And... Um, and really gave her over, and it was only then when her situation started to change and heal. And it wasn't only that, because uh, my greatest fear um, was that um, I would find her dead of an overdose, or I would get the phone call telling me they had found her. Just that summer, her boyfriend was found dead in a park, in the park of an overdose. And for a while, I didn't even know if she was with him or was in another part of the park. So that night, Jesus took me to that place, took me to that place I didn't want to go and helped me face it. And through some miraculous means that I have no way of understanding or explaining, I had an inner 
recognition and understanding that even as I saw her body laying in bed, lifeless, I knew she was perfectly safe, that she was safe and she was fine, and I was fine. And I don't think if I would have had that experience, I would have been able to totally give her over to God because um, I would always have that fear lurking as an obstruction to totally surrendering her to God. And, um, and, I, and then from that point on, I, my direction from God was, um, or from Jesus was, the only thing you can do for your, love, for your daughter is to love her. But that's the most powerful thing you could do. And from that day on, I, whatever she showed up, even if she was enraging against me and, and um, you know, just wacky in what she was saying and, and mean-spirited, my response was love. My response was seeing beyond that. And I know I couldn't have done that without the strength of, of God working through me. He was doing it. And I was just following direction. And over time, she did heal. And, um, and she has some bumpy roads now and then, but she gets back on the bandwagon. And, um, and she's helped so many other girls, young women, in their addiction. So uh, for me, when I think of special relationship and the healing of it, um, I don't. I can't imagine a more special relationship than a parent and child. They're part of you. They live in you, and um, it's very difficult to uh, see them in any other light, and to uh, give up that job you were given in, in life of being their parent. So, um, but until I did that, uh, I. I think the situation could, the outcome would have been quite different. So, anyhow, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. So grateful you Thank you. Thank you, Lana. I have a little story. Sorry. This is Ida. Good morning. Um, So... Um, one of my partner's sons, as far as we know, is still, after several several years, uh, deeply embroiled in drug abuse, but also still, as far as we know, he's still alive. Um, with all the, you know, all the usual suspects, meth and heroin and, and whatever he can get. And he's in his 30s. But, um, so when I heard you talking about your daughter just now, and I've heard you talking about that before, but this time I thought of, well, I should pray for him. I feel really embarrassed to tell you that because it's like, well, why didn't I pray for him before? Well, maybe I did. I don't remember. But um, it, it, I prayed the prayer from at the end of chapter 15 or chapter 16 of this book. Um, I give you to 
the Holy Spirit as part of myself. I know you will be released unless I want to use you to imprison myself. In the name of my freedom, I will your release. For I realize that we will be released together. Amen. And when I said that prayer, while you were still talking about your daughter, um, Lana, um, I felt power of that prayer, even though I'm not a blood relative of his. I felt the power of that prayer going out to him and helping to heal him. And in fact, I could feel a little bit of it just right now as I just said it again. Um, so thank you very much, Lana, and everybody, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit for helping me to have that prayer because I don't know what else will help him because he refused to go into a rehab a couple of years ago. And that issue of contention between between Joe and his wife was one of the things that broke them up in the first place. Um, so there's a lot of healing that needs to happen there. And thank you all so much for contributing to that healing. I'm complete. I'm so grateful for that share, Ida. Thank you. Oh, Ida, I felt the power. Yeah, I felt the power as you read that too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. morning everybody it's Judy thank you for reading I love hearing your voices and thank you Lee and Lori for your devotion to facilitating our joining in this call I have um, thanks Fran for your reading of the the lesson and uh, although I visited it early this morning I, I seem to have gotten a, a deeper layer of understanding from it in, in the second part where it says that we that we will be to, to call on God's name as my own, as our own, is our deliverance from sin and evil. And, you know, it, it took my mind to a place where I remember reading in the text later, in one of the later chapters, where the, that it, you know, it talks about the dream ending and perception ending. And um, Lee, thank you for your share because you're the one that put me in this um, this little piece of my dialogue um, for the call today. The um, idea that it's a dream of judgment and that um, in practicing the holy instant that I cannot prepare myself for it, I need not prepare for myself, myself for it, I need not understand how it works, but the one line in the text that jumped out at me, and it always does, is when, they, when he speaks of how these, these means that God has given us, that thousands will rise to heaven with us. And we don't even know how that works, and how one, but how wonderful an idea it is that in um, 
anything that I see disturbs someone's peace, that I know it's a source of fear, that it's a source of false perception. And I'm seeing that that I'm seeing that in them means that I'm still seeing it in me. Because the first paragraph talks about that. You know, the um that these things these means the holy instant, the holy relationship all the Holy Spirit's teaching and all the means by which salvation is accomplished won't have any purpose anymore because it will have been accomplished. So I know I'm still in it. I'm still in it. I'm still in it. And calling upon oh, my dearest, darling Holy Spirit to take, take this from me, anything that would hurt my mind, frighten my mind, Um, and restore me to sanity in the holy instant. Restore me to the awareness that perfect love is in me, that God is with me wherever I go, that I am at home in peace, I'm at home in heaven, and I'm I'm still suffering from a dis-ease, a disease of perception, which is is what I call the ego. It sees the evil, and it sees the separation. And it's disturbed, its peace is disturbed, it's judging something. So the more subtly I I recognize my own disturbances of peace, the more effective I am in helping the Holy Spirit use me. So this practice throughout the day, having holy, roly instants, um, is, is really a wonderful free sense of freedom that I'm not in charge of it I'm not in charge of it and I have um, corrections not my function I don't I don't need to give anyone any advice because I don't know what I'm doing so how the heck can I tell them anybody else what I think about what I know they should do <laughs> I mean you know the the whole whole thing starts to unravel and um, Lee what you shared about the dream, the dream to love your brother as yourself. This is not a dream to love everyone as myself, nor is my holy relationship a dream. All that remains um, within it, that that it is still special because I'm still um, perceiving through the body's eyes and... um, that in and of itself is a misperception. Seeing people in bodies and not seeing them as they are in truth. So these are subtle distinctions that I need to make in, in um, resting in peace and calling on him who knows for the truth to restore my mind to the awareness of perfect to the awareness of the knowledge of perfect truth. And, you know, that's just, it's so attainable because he does it all. He's the doer. I just need to rest in, in God and relax and um, ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. And the, um, the idea that um, not confusing my function, what is of God, what is of his voice that is in constant communication with me, um, and who is the doer here, and who is going to restore my mind to what is already true. But 
because of my misperception, my dis-ease in my perception of the world that is mine and I need to own and claim in order to be healed of it. Um, I'm just in a tender, open-hearted space today, and I'm just really glad that you guys are out here, that I have um, genuine, authentic people who are trying to see their way to the truth with me. Amen. I am complete. Wonderful, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank Thank you, Judy. Judy. Thank you for all your share. Have a beautiful day. You too. Bye, oh, Robin you Marie. You too, Robin Marie. It's Lee. There's um, there's kind of a topic that's rolling around for me this morning, and it's it's the topic of <clears throat> how each student comes to their own experience of the authority with which the author of this course speaks to us from these pages. Um, I I um, I uh, fought and uh, struggled and tried to keep at the fore my my faculties of reason and skepticism. And I did so for uh, decades in the study of this course, keeping just a little safe distance between me and, you know, swallowing this course hook, line, and sinker. Um, thinking that it was the safer way to proceed, that um, I was progressively persuaded it spoke with authority and that there was no artifice anywhere in the in the creation of this work. There was no that it genuinely was a transmission from something in clean, as clean and sterling as, as what I began to think of as the Christ mind, that it, was, that it was, as it states, an affirmative deliverance to me of God's wish for me, a deliverance to me of what uh, the Christ mind is prepared to impart to me, the reader, um, as I uh, encounter this transmission for the ages, 
that came with such perfect um, clarity and cleanness of transmission, cleanly from the Christ mind to a scribe whose unique quality was that she was attuned enough to capture precisely what she was told to capture. And the outcome is that all these years later, there's almost nothing remaining of a distancing between me and these words. There is a satisfaction in me at 70 that I've vetted this work to the greatest possible capacity that I could. I've gone over every word of her shorthand. I've looked at every evidence of the actual moment of the transmission from the author to her mind and onto the paper. I've scanned and I've looked for anything that could represent the faintest doubt that this work came as it's reported that it came and that it came in a in a manner that um, psychology, uh, science, nothing can explain short of a direct transmission of an otherworldly understanding and knowledge into the minded heart of this scribe and on to me. That's why I thought I'd feature just the way I relate to the last several paragraphs of the review instructions, where after guiding me, when I'm tempted to misperceive that I hasten to proclaim my freedom from temptation, as I say, this is in line nine or paragraph nine of the review instruction today, this thought I do not want, I choose instead, and I allow Holy Spirit speak through these different uh, lesson titles that we're revealing each day, how to um, introduce into my mind and deeply into my heart the idea encapsulated in each of these lesson titles that we're using for these review days. What I feature is the sentence that concludes paragraph 10, where he says, instead we give these times of quiet to the capital teacher who instructs in quiet, speaks of peace, and gives our thoughts whatever meaning they may have. And the final paragraph, you guys, is so beautiful. It's the author of this course. In whatever way each of us comes to relate to this author, I use the term Jesus because it's the term he uses for himself. And in that final paragraph, Jesus tells me, to this teacher, God gave me. He says, I offer this review for you. I place you in his charge and I let him teach you what to do and say and think each time you turn to him. He'll not fail to be available to you each time you call to him to help you. These are affirmative statements and they're throughout this course. It's the author of the course whispering to me and saying, your whole concept of reality is skewed and you suffer terribly from it. 
but you won't let it go. And I'm trying to tell you, your creator placed in your mind his instructor, his teacher. And if you let him, he will take all of your dreams of fear and separation and fright. Your, your dreams of judgment and isolation and alienation and will begin to correct those dreams in pace with your willingness. Your willingness being all that's required. He'll change your dreams from dreams of fear to happy dreams of love from which he promises both in that paragraph I read from chapter 12 and in today's reading from which you waken happily to knowledge, from which you waken the word was easily. He'll change your nightmares to happy dreams of love from which you waken easily to knowledge. Everything short of a direct cognition of the truth or knowledge is some version of a dream still of some separation between me and you a dream of separation between me and my creator, a dream of separation for me between me and all that I behold. When that last vestige of separation, the sense of separation is overcome, it's what he describes to me of being lifted by God into the final correction for my distorted thoughts where I rest in the unity it is the truth of what abides as my relationship to all things. I'm delivered into holy relationship with all that I behold as love directs. And right at the gateway to that final deliverance that God himself gives me, right at the gateway of that is the happy dreams of love by which what he refers to as the real world is attained in my experience. The real world, happy dreams, they're very, very closely associated and, it, and it's almost impossible to separate the two concepts. They're different ways of his speaking of what it is for me to emerge from deeply false perceptions into what can increasingly be called true perception, what he calls in this work accurate perception. It's perception that isn't tainted by all my mistaken beliefs of judgment and condemnation and guilt. It's perception lit by, these, uh, by this alignment with the love that's in me and the love that's true of me and of everything I see truly. Oh boy, well, um, that's where he's taken me in this section. And I would just point out, because I'm, as always, you know, checking the notes as we read. In 44, happy dreams come true. Helen in writing the shorthand notes for this course, as I've mentioned, was prompted what to underscore, what to feature. That first line of 44 was initially uh, two sentences instead of just one. 
and she underscored happy dreams come true. The whole sentence was underlined, happy dreams come true. Then she underscored the first word of the next sentence, not because they're dreams, but only because they're happy. This happiness that I'm delivered to is his entree into being delivered um, to an acquaintance with reality. Happiness is the entree to the uh, acquaintance with what's real. And in that context, I can understand my unhappiness, something short of joy, is always the consequence of my encountering something I believe mistakenly about reality. I love the association of happiness with what's real. And I love that she was prompted to emphatically write as she heard it, happy dreams come true. It plays on what we've all grown up with. Do dreams come true? Happy dreams come true. Not because they're dreams, but because they're happy. And being happy, they align with what's so. Thank you, everyone. I'm complete. Oh, that just put a fire in my heart, Lee. Thank you. Sure did. Thank you, Lee. Lovely. Thank you, Lee. That's great. Thank you. I have kind of an odd request. Um, Karen had mentioned that she'd love to hear that opening from you again. And um, I don't know, there's a pause here. I, I had thought to ask before Karen did whether we could hear it again. So I guess it oh, says... Gosh, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. It was such a gift to me. Um, from A Course in Miracles, Volume 6, Song of Prayer. Song of Prayer. Prayer is the greatest gift with which God blessed His Son at His creation. It was then what it is to become the single voice creator and creation share. 
the song, the sun, the song, the sun sings to the Father, who returns the thanks it offers him unto the Son. Endless the harmony, and endless too the joyous concord of the love they give forever to each other. And in this, creation is extended. God gives thanks to his extension in his Son. His Son gives thanks for his creation in the song of his creating in his Father's name. The love they share is what all prayer will be throughout eternity when time is done. For such it was before time seemed to be. That holy relationship between the Father and the Son is the basis for all relationship. It's impossible. It's impossible for a mind alone to understand that. But when filled with holiness, it's impossible to see anything else. I'm reminded how he says, atonement is the one miracle, the one miracle which is the first and the last. The atonement is that relationship of the creator to the creation. That one relationship born in the mind of God, fostered, cared for, nourished, nurtured by the source of love itself is what all relationship is meant to be. I, I read read yesterday and it was also a miracle I was read how I was led to that <laughs> but this Christ mind that sources this work for us this resurrected Christ that knows no death this Christ mind that is the truth of all of creation the relationship of creator to creation always we, we tend to think as personified. I tended to think as dwelling only in a person. A singular person. But that's not right. That's not right. And I was, I was led yesterday, um, maybe the day before, I forget, to that question in the manual for teacher. Does Jesus... Does the name of Jesus have a special place in healing? What a humble question. What a humble question that is from this mind. It just, it just makes me want to cry that he saved that question for almost the end of the book. But it's such a beautiful, beautiful reading that he gives us there. It stands for the love of God. This name, Jesus Christ, stands for the love of God. So closely woven to the, to the Father that there is no space between the Father and the Son. A symbol, a symbol, a symbol to which the mind can always return. And that's why I love this lesson today. 
God, I love this lesson. I have a song that goes with it. I can't, I can't say the lesson without singing the song. I call upon God's name and on my own. Jesus Christ, a symbol for the love of God. So closely woven that nothing can come between. It's not a person. Though we relate to him as a person, I've related to him as a person. It's the relationship of everything to everything. Christ is the relationship of everything to everything. And when I align my mind with that, when I call upon God's name and on my own, there's no space, there's no space left for a mistake. Instantly, instantly, I'm returned to the truth of that holy relationship of everything to everything. Does the name of Jesus have a special place in healing? You know what? I think that's where I want to close today because I was so grateful. I was so grateful. It starts out with God's gifts can rarely be received directly, though we each... I'm sure have felt those holy instants where we know there's no separation. We have repeatedly stated that one who has perfectly accepted the atonement for himself can heal the world. Indeed, he has already done so. Temptation may recur to others, but never to this one. He has become the risen Son of God. That's all of us. Because of this relationship with the Father to the Son, he has overcome death. Because he has accepted life, he has recognized himself as God created him. And in so doing, he has recognized all living things as part of him. There is now no limit on his power because it is the power of God. And so has his name become the name of God. For he no longer sees himself as separate from him. What does this mean to you? It means that in remembering Jesus, you are remembering God. The whole relationship of the Son to the Father lies in him. His part in the Sonship is also yours. That's what he means by build a ladder. <laughs> build a ladder planted on solid faith. And his completing learning guarantees your own success. Is he still available for help? That's today's lesson. What did he say about this? Remember his promises and ask yourself honestly whether it is likely he will fail to keep them. Can God fail his son? And can one who is one with God be unlike him? Who transcends the body as transcendent limitation with the greatest teacher be unavailable to those who follow him? The name of Jesus Christ as such is but a symbol, but it stands for love that is not of this world. It is a symbol that can safely be used as a replacement for the many names of all the gods you pray to. It becomes the shining symbol for the capital W, Word of God, so close to what it stands for that the little space between the two is lost the moment that the name is called to mind. Remembering his name is to give thanks for all the gifts that God has given you and gratitude 
to God becomes the way in which he is remembered. For love cannot be far behind a grateful heart and thankful mind. God enters easily. For these are the true conditions for your coming home. These are the conditions for your coming home. That's why I just love this reading today. Don't forget your indebtedness to your brother. He has the ability to return the awareness of love to your mind. That's what we're indebted to each other for. And our gratitude. Love is the way I walk in gratitude. Love always follows a gratitude. Always. Even in the darkest, darkest, darkest times. If I can remember to say thank you, I call upon God's name and on my own. So I thank you all. Thank you all for being here every day. You've saved my life. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lori, and me, and everybody. Thank you, Ida. Thanks for the call. Beautiful call. We'll end the recording, although we don't all hang up, okay? (laughs) 